turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is The Rob Black Show. Let's figure out how to get to retirement. Let's do it together. Let's understand that CNBC is there. It's not the right tool. Let's understand that the goal is to get us to retirement very, very slowly, not quickly. It's the tortoise. It's not the hare. Let's understand that there's things that we've never been taught or explained, and that's okay. You don't really have to start until you're about 30, in my opinion. But it's way better if you start in your 20s because you're going to make mistakes. First things first, you need to set priorities. This is the game plan. This is the roadmap. This is everything that you need to know. It's the hardest thing to do. It's deciding what goal to choose. Do you want to go after college? Do you want to go after a house? Do you want to go after retirement? Do you want to go after a car? And once you write all the things down, prioritize them. The most important, in my opinion, is your retirement. Then it's going to be a house. Then it's going to be your kid's college, if you have kids or want to have kids. And then it's going to be a fancy car. Next thing you need to do is, after you've written down your priorities and put a dollar price next to them, is make a budget. How much do you spend? How much do you earn? How much do you keep? What do you get out of your dollar? Where does it go? The good budgeting software tool is wonderful. In theory, you can do it yourself, but everything's so automated and online. I would imagine that Apple will eventually get into this business of helping people make budgeting um, decisions. You have your phone. Like I already have my phone and I have my Bank of America account on it. And I have a relationship with a company like an Acorns or a TD Ameritrade. And I can track my whole budget right there. There's a lot of good software that does budgeting for you. It takes a little bit of love from you to make it work. You have to explain your expenses to your own computer. And that's okay. It learns quickly. For instance, um, my spouse will buy stuff on Zelle and Venmo often. And I go, what was $300 on Venmo? I need to know so I can categorize it, keep my budget under control. Once you have priorities and you have a budget, then you have to understand the basics of investing. And the first lesson is that everything that's on your budget is going to be 2 to 4% more expensive in the future. So if it's going to be retirement, every year you have to save an extra 2 to 4%. If it's going to be college, it's going to go up in cost 6% a year on average. If it's going to be a car, probably in the 2 to 4% range. So you need to understand that you're going to have to beat inflation. So you go look at history and you see that stocks average 10%, bonds average 6%, mutual funds. There's different ways of approaching this. I don't ever try to hit a home run. 
I pity the fool that tries to hit the home run, I think is what Mr. T once said. I'd rather play with historical norms than break new ground and like, oh, I own crypto and it went up 150% last year, but it's down 75% this year. I want nothing to do that doesn't have a track record. Then you have to learn a little bit about investing in stocks. Market can be a great place to turn your savings into wealth, or you can lose your shirt. Start slowly, go with ETFs and index funds, low costs. I would use TD Ameritrade, Fidelity, or Schwab, and that's it. You don't need a cheaper brokerage. I'm not going to say you get what you pay for, but sometimes when you don't pay anything, you get bad tax records. If you have time to buy stocks, only buy one for your first few years or quarters until you're good at it. There's areas that I don't even go into in investing. I'm really good at growth. Next up, um, you want to make a phone call to like a Vanguard, TD Ameritrade, or Schwab and open up an account. You fund it out of your budget, not whimsically. So I built $166 a month into my budget when I was 18 years old. Before I bought beer, before I paid rent, before I got books, before I went on dates, $166 a month automatically went towards retirement because I didn't want to work till the day I died. You need to learn about investing in mutual funds. You look at a five-year track record, a seven-year track record. Do you get comfortable with it? The longer you can see a track record, the more you can see, yeah, it's gone through a 9-11. Yeah, it's gone through a housing recession in 2006, 2008. Yeah, it's gone through a, a pandemic. It's good. It's done well in good times. That's easy. How did it do in tough times? Down the road, once you've started your retirement plan, you've got your budget under control. Your $2,000 rent should become like a $2,500 or $3,000 mortgage. Depending on where you live in the country, that'll make sense. Owning your home is part of the American dream, but if you're not prepared, it could be quite a nightmare. I've seen more people go bankrupt with condos, townhouses, and homes than I have with investing in stocks. I've never seen anyone go bankrupt investing in stocks. A home is a liability. It is not an asset. With time, a home grows equity because housing creates inflation costs. And as a homeowner, you get the benefit of the rising cost of homes around you. But it is a liability. Lose your job and tell me it's an asset. You're wrong. You have to sell it and move. Somewhere in all this, you got to learn how to control your debt. Um, I have not carried a credit card balance in 20 years. And what's interesting is the one time I forgot to pay an American Express because I didn't set it up to auto pay. I called them. I, I was almost crying. I was like, can you please take that late payment off my, my credit report? I swear I've always paid my, 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 I, I didn't know. I made a mistake. I thought I, I made a mistake and they took it off because I had a track record of paying off my debt. Um, I've never used debt to buy a fancy car. I've never used bet to buy a debt to buy groceries. I'd rather eat ramen noodles or homemade pasta myself for years 
than go into debt and pay for food. When you have children, you want to start saving for college. There's a good website for saving for college. Again, you're buying a home, so you're putting money into a home. You're funding your retirement account. You're funding, like, you. this is another thing that you add to the world of what you wanted in your life when you start setting your priorities. Savingforcollege.com is a great website. I've said that for 20 years. You'll learn about 529 plans. And you only do that after you max out your 401k. Um, in my opinion. Asset allocate. And also with college costs the way they are, if your kid's not inclined to go to school, for me, I would like my kids to go to two years of community college. There's a great community college local to us. And they can practice being an adult before they go out and shock their system. Asset allocation is important to get a grasp of at this age. Single most important thing you do as an investor is practice it. A little bit of stocks. In theory, some sort of income producer like a REIT or a bond. They take care of you in down markets where you get the income. And if you own your own home, that's great. If not, I think a REIT is the better way of going about it. At some point in time, you want to hire professional help. I am stunned. I met someone who had a large portfolio and uh, he doesn't want to pay for financial help. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, You get what you settle for and you're making mistakes compared to professionals. I'd rather buy a car that's two years old than a brand new. You ensure what you can't afford to lose, like your health. So when you have a job, get healthcare. And if you don't, I'd say buy Obamacare. You get home insurance in case something bad happens to it. Not because you want it, but because in case something bad, you get life insurance to protect your life in case you're not able to earn income. That's it. That's really all you have to know. That's a good start. I'm Rob Black. A straightforward approach to managing your money. The Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening. Thanks for supporting me and the show and for telling friends. Um, I'm blown away with the relationship that we have on this show. I promise if you listen, I will do my best to help you get to retirement. It's not as hard as you would imagine. It's tougher today than it was 20, 30 years ago. Do I think my kids will have the same life I did? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe one of them. One of them's really smart. I'm not supposed to say that. One of them's really compassionate. You know the movie Sophie's Choice where she has to make that, that damnable, damnation choice of which child would you choose to survive? I know which one I'd choose. It's not that tough of a decision. <laughs> I know you're saying you're horrible. And now I'm going to be, now for saying that, karma is going to crush me and something bad is going to happen to my family. Okay, so one of the things that I like to do is talk money, obviously. And I'm not saying this is going to be the greatest date in your life, but if you're young, you should talk about money. As you hit financial milestones in your life, you should talk about money. It can be outside by the pool. That's a milestone. Honey, we got a pool. Let's crack open a bottle of wine and say, this is living. Let's watch the sunset together. But you should always have conversations. There's a lot of old proverbs and adages out there that sometimes are centuries old, and that's fine. You don't have to like get everything out of every moment when you talk about money. 
But how about this old adage? Never spend money before you have it. Who said it? I don't know. The, the dreaded IDK. Spending money you don't have is the first step of a slippery slope of debt and having a bad relationship with debt is going to get you in trouble. It's pretty impossible to buy everything you need with cash these days. So some debt is acceptable. I don't want you buying a house with cash. I want you to use a mortgage. Do I want you to use a high cost mortgage? No, I want you to keep your credit clean like a whistle. I don't even know what that means, but it's going to be clean. And you're going to get the best possible mortgage rate you can. Not by walking in a bank naively, but by working with a mortgage lender you trust. I'm more about the used car than I am about the new car until you're 40 or until you're established or until you're wealthy. Um, just because it's a big expense when you're young. When I was 20 uh, and I had a you know, $300 car payment, I went into a dealership and I said, I will buy this car if you will sell it to me for $300 a month. And it started like at 370 and they got it down to 350. They got it down to 340. They got it down to 300. They let me borrow it for a month to test drive it because they knew I'd fall in love with it. And it's down to 360. So that's the best I can do. And I'm like, here's your car. Thanks for the rental. That was free. So it's okay to have debt on some things like a car if you have to. Student loans if you have to. Mortgage, you should. In my opinion, it's a low-cost money. With student loans, I want you to get a, a, a degree that, that has a job waiting for you on the other end of it. If you don't know, stay in community college until you do know. So it's okay to put some things on credit, in my opinion, like those things, or to take on debt. It's the non-essentials on credit that get you into trouble. The TVs, the vacations. Here's another adage. Spinning is quick. Earning is slow. It's Russian. Spending is quick, all right. In the last month, I've racked up you know four thousand dollars on a credit card, and wow, that happened fast, right? Thanks to modern technology, the convenience of buying has never been greater. We can spend hundreds of dollars in the swipe of a card, the click of a mouse, the tap of a smartphone. The buy now, pay later, the BNPL, which I don't like. I think it's not consumer friendly. I think it's consumer um, impulse. That's not good. Just remember, no matter how easy it is to spend money, it's not going to get any easier to make that money. So when you do that vacation where you buy everyone a beer, when you do that vacation where you get concert tickets in the front row, You've just gone into new territory of when I come back, I'm going to have to, to earn a bigger tier to go to that again in the future. Dr. John Bridges once said a fool and his money are easy parted. No, no, no. Dr. John Bridges once said a fool and his money are soon parted. Smart people and money are parted all the time, all the time as well. It just means that all decisions are important. You can't take any of them for granted. The more you do to educate yourself about finances, the better equipped you'll be to make positive changes and take positive chances with your money. So I still see everything that goes through my credit cards 
and my bank statement of $300 or more, I question it. And if it says Venmo, I want to know who it's going to. And I can more than afford that. My wife probably was like, aren't we wealthy? Why are you asking about this? I'm like, I just need to know. I, just, I, I, just, I, I, I need to know that you're not giving $300 to a stranger. She's like, I got a massage. I'm like, you got a $300 massage? Then I'm like, I want a $300 massage. That's not a true story, but you get the idea. I track expenses. Creditors have way better memories than debtors. It's another adage. That's Ben Franklin. I think he was a weird character in life. I just get that feeling like he was like a, I don't want to say a nudist, but I just have a, a feeling that he's one of those founding fathers that just was a weirdo. So creditors have better memories than debtors. As much as we'd be, like to be able to forget our bad money decisions and let our old debts drift away into obscurity, it's just not going to happen. And ultimately, just because you can't remember who you owe and how much, trust me, they do know. At one point in my life, when I was like 19 years old, I borrowed $5,000 or $3,000. I think it was $3,000 from my brother, Michael. And I forgot about it. Went to Europe, had a great time. A couple of years later, I was like, uh, you ever going to pay me back? I'm like, yes, I am. I simply forgot. I had a good time. And when I paid him back, I didn't say thank you. I, I was like, oh, you're a jerk. Grumbly. Another good old adage to play with is rather go to bed supperless than rise in debt. That's been Franklin as well. Point here is wants and needs. You should never forget that you borrowed money. It's still borrowed money. And in the morning, it'll be due. If you're using credit as your only option, that's far better than starving. I get it. You don't want to be too literal here. But rather than go to bed supperless, then rise in debt. Adages can teach us a lot. How about saving for a rainy day? You know who said that? Someone actually said it, it was Aesop. Never take the value of savings for granted because when it rains, it pours. We're hardly ever as prepared as we need to be for major financial setbacks. So it's important to remember that disaster can strike at any time. The more you save today, the faster you'll recover in the future. Financial adages, Google them. They're there for a reason. They're little educational nuggets. I'm Rob Black. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at robblackshow.com. Ronald Reagan once said something fantastic. Money can't buy happiness, but it'll certainly get you a better class of memories. I could not disagree more. Well, maybe. I kind of agree and disagree with it, I think. Probably the two of my best dates ever in life. I know you're saying, what were they? What were they? they? Come on. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Did they end in the hot tub? No. One was walking a dog with a girl who was dog sitting. And it was started to lightly rain during the summer. And it was just very emotionally driven memories in my head of that. The other was, I'm really good at sketching and painting. Um, It's a talent I grew up with because I didn't have cell phones and the internet and video games. 
until I was about seven or eight. So overseas, we, you don't have American television. You have no distractions. He learned to paint. He learned to draw. And me and a college girlfriend sketched each other um, in the buff. Dun, dun, dun. And what was interesting about it is I kept her sketch of me and she kept my sketch of her. And I looked at it the other day and I so badly wanted to reach out to her and her three children and her husband and go, you still got that? Because I think you look pretty good. Or I think you looked pretty good is what I wanted to say. I think we had a great, no, don't even reach out to her. I'm going to get in trouble. But I think it's the right idea that your memories don't have to be super expensive. But now again, I once saw you two in the top row of an arena. I rushed to buy tickets. I was panicked. It was a Ticketmaster thing. Try again in five minutes. Try again in five minutes. Try again in five minutes. I got the tickets. I was relieved. And then I looked at what section I bought. Back row. I don't remember a thing about the concert except for looking at them on the TV screen. Um, I do pay a little bit too much money for concert tickets now. And it's not a great feeling. So there are some memories that I try to make with my children because I love music that I'm willing to spend a little bit more for. I don't need toys like jet skis. I don't need boats. I don't need a hot rod car. That's not where my memories come from. We're all very, very different. And I'm okay with that. And hopefully you are as well. So a couple things that I, I should hit on. Um, I think if I were to have some, you know, uh, investment advice in your 20s and 30s and some really simple thoughts that you should just walk away from today and go, yes, I get it. Um, as a Generation Xer, I'm not a millennial. Uh, but I feel like I'm still on the younger side of understanding money, of relationships with money. As you turn 50, 60, 70, 80, it's, you've, you've had your whole career to see it. I've avoided social pressures to buy stereos, trips, expensive meals, and other adult toys. Um, I'm working with EP Wealth now and working with their marketing department. And it's really funny because I've never had a budget. When I got into financial planning and investment advising, I was really good at the investment advising, the financial planning. I, uh, I found another CFP to do it with me. And ultimately, what I, what I chose was a little different angle on it all. I did it very, very cheap. I spoke at libraries. I spoke at high schools. I spoke anywhere I could learn to speak. Slowly but surely, I got $1 million under management, $2 million under management, $10 million under management. Some of the budget was there. I like the phrase, be frugal and have fun too. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. Discipline, savings, and investing. If that's one piece of investment advice I can give you, you got to be disciplined about it. It's one of the probably the number one things I tell my children. Uh, I've got a son who's on sometimes the forgetful side. Where you go, okay, you have an art lesson today at four. Log on to the computer at 3.55. And it's I'm and he blows it. Yesterday he was uh, he missed the first half hour. <clears throat> he missed the first fifteen minutes. Then he forgot because he forgot. Then he didn't have the courage to come tell me. Then I find out that he missed. I'm like, dude, you got to be a little more disciplined than this. Set an alarm in the morning. Like, 
I'm okay with tasks. I'm okay with lists. I love them. Discipline savings and investing, it's half the goal. Your 401k is great at it. It automates things for you. Your 401k, okay? your 403b. Or like I did when I was 18 years old, I called Robertson Stevens and I started a mutual fund with their te- in, uh, technology fund because they were good at it. And I knew that was the most important part of the stock market. So I let them do their job and I did my job by opening a bank account and sending $266 a month their way. And that got me to my first $10,000. You want to minimize debt and interest charges. That's obvious for uh, Generation X advice. Roll over the 401k into IRAs when you leave a job. Some of you will go through 5, 10, 15 jobs in your career. And if you're not opening a 401k in each and every one of them, you're probably hurting your true long-term earnings and your long-term savings for sure. So if you leave a company, don't leave your 401k there because 10, 15 years ago, 15, 20 years ago, when I was an investment advisor, before I got into the front end of sharing expertise and wealth with you, I'd see people that come into the office and they'd have like nine 401ks. I'd be like, do you realize that in every one of these 401ks, you chose like large cap? <laughs> there's no bonds. There's no mid cap. There's no small cap. There's no international. Oh yeah. It just seemed like the right one. So you suddenly have a collection of crap. You have a kennel of dogs. Um, I don't want you to have a tight budget unless you have problems with debt. Then you should have a tight budget. I don't want to be the you know the. I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if I'm allowed to say this. Stick in your body. <laughs> I want to be that bad guy who's like. Oh, I'm a tightwad. You get to spend no money. But if you have debt, I'm going to be that guy. Pay that off first. And grab a charcoal pencil and and draw your love. Don't go to movies. Rent a movie if you have to, kind of thing. For me, the biggest thing on success in my 20s was I automated everything. I automated saving for retirement. I automated saving for a home. I rented for the first four or five years, and I actually bought a home in my early 20s, mid-20s, which was kind of a surprise. I don't know if you can do that today. My sister bought a house, which is like 22, like two years out of college. Like, whoa. She went with like a no money down program, and she did it. Good for her. So back to the retirement plan that you're job has to offer. I think this is worth hitting a little bit more. Don't feel guilty. Take advantage of the retirement plan. Max it out. If a company gives you a 3%, 4%, 5% match, that's free money. And if you leave it on the table, I'm going to get the Darwin hammer out. I'm going to hit you with it. Maybe the Darwin foam bat. I'm going to hit you with a foam bat that basically says, stupid, stupid, evolve, please. Free money is free money, and they're offering it to you as a way of keeping you, not as a way of pissing you off, not as a way of taking your money so you have less to spend. Your 401k, your 403b, your retirement plan at work is tax deductible. The growth inside of it doesn't get taxed. It comes out later in life when your income's much lower, so it's a lower tax bracket. 
So that's kind of deferred tax. I should say it's tax deductible, but I, I'm trying to say tax favorable, I guess. Never, ever touch the money. It puts you on that slow path of growth. The tortoise versus the hare. 10K becomes 25K. So if you're young, 10K will become 25K when you're 40. And it'll become 70K when you're 50. It'll become 150K when you're 60. It'll become 350K when you're 70. So that little 10K will turn into $350,000 before you die. Some people want to retire at 60. I want to retire at 70 to let my money grow a little bit longer. The point that if I ever leave EP, there's a pretty good chance I'll stay in the business. Or there's a pretty good chance I'll um, get another job just to keep cash flow coming in and keep me my heart beating as I race up and down the steps. I figure like maybe a UPS driver. I'd love that. Like My second career is not going to be high paying. It's going to be exercise and pay me a little bit. I think maybe it'll be a dog walker. See, I don't even have that in my head and I should start having that in my head right about now. Big round of layoffs come. I don't know what I'd do. Oh, and I'd hire a headhunter and I've, I've already had two offers in the last year. It's weird. I've never been offered a position because I always had my own company and then I start working for someone else and suddenly people are like, say, hey, you want to come work for me? That's goofy. I don't like it, but I guess it's a big compliment, right? Accumulation of wealth needs time. And 10K in your 20s will become 350K when you turn 70. And it'll become a sizable amount of money of 150K when you're 60. Do you not see how easy it is to save 10K? $166 a month for 12 months for five years is 10K. So it's $166 a month, $5 a day. That's why we financial people pick on lattes at Starbucks. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Can you brew your own coffee at home? Or is that too much pain and hell and anguish? Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black, just doing a simple review of some things that we need to do better as we accumulate wealth. Some of it's easy, some of it's tough. Live within your means. Pretty obvious. Failure to set goals will cost you. Not saving enough for how long you're going to live. Ronald Reagan lived until he was 93 years old. The last 33 years of his life. No, no, not the last 33 years of his life. He lived till he was 93, but the last 33 years of his life were spent in retirement. And the last 10 years of his life were in very bad health. I saw my grandmother go through it. She was eventually put into a state-run hospital as her Alzheimer's was kicking in. As a boy who was six years old, I remember Alzheimer's is, that sucks. She used to make me chocolate milk. And here she is bedridden at the end of Alzheimer's. And it's grotesque. If you've never seen a bed sore, once you see one, you're like, that's what that is. When you've been laying down and haven't been moving enough. Her feet fell. What do I mean by that? Right now, if you lay on your back, your feet will probably point to the air. Her feet flopped. Her bones kind of turned to, to soup. 
So know that you're going to live maybe just till 93 like Ron Reagan. And the last 10 years are going to cost you well over a million dollars. Or at least plan on it. There's ways to fail. Failure to keep enough cash. Failure to create a budget. Failure to keep your debt under control. Failure to update your wills and paperwork. Too much short-term focus. Um, the recession of the tech collapse in 2000, 2002. I'll never buy a tech stock again. Whoops, that was a mistake. 2006, 2008, the housing recession. Um, you can't trust the financial system. I'm just going to keep everything under my mattress. The pandemic. We're all going to die. And like, there's too much of a short-term focus. You got to look at it as 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And you know the best way to do that? I used to have a chart on my wall when I first got into the industry. And it was the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And it was like 60 years history. Now you could probably look at like a 100-year history, 70, 80-year history. And what you're going to notice on the chart is it starts in the lower left and it slowly creeps up, climbs the stairs to the upper right corner. You're like, that looks like a pretty damn good return over time. And it, on the chart, it tells you World War I, World War II, Nagasaki, Hiroshima, Vietnam War, Korean War, high oil, low oil, presidents shot, presidents assassinated. It shows you everything that you can get into a short-term focus on and freak yourself out over. I now love disasters. I now love calamity. I once said on air, and it's one of the most ridiculous things I ever said. The man who has made me the most money on Wall Street is not Warren Buffett. Not being like Warren, not studying his cash flow analysis. It's not the tech guru. Nope. Um, who was it? I said it was always Saddam Hussein. Because whenever he would invade Iraq, or did he invade? Equate, excuse me. <laughs> he didn't invade his own country. The Wall Street would freak out, sell down. And then a year, two years, three years later, we were at all-time highs. And he did it a second time. I was like, sweet. And then we caught him in a pit, like an animal. And the Iraqi people eventually killed him. I'm like, please let him escape. Please let him escape. And I know that this is back. This isn't even funny anymore. Back then, it was kind of funny because we were allowed to say dumber things and not get canceled. But disasters where I made the most of my money, the most of the return of the wealthy come from buying when things are low, not when they're high. So don't get too caught up in short-term focus. And I think another area where people fail, financially speaking, is not being educated. Um, I know people who bought digital currency when it became the rage as digital currencies, crypto we're running and you didn't have time to study. You didn't have time to go like, when does this go bad? Or when should I pull out? Like, what is the consequence here of letting it ride? What does history tell me? It's and you didn't have a history report. So you got to educate yourself. Now, here's what I saw yesterday in the news. And it kind of pissed me off a little bit. It was an article. I believe it was in the Wall Street Journal. It might've been Barron's. It basically said crypto educators are making millions, even though their advice is costing you millions. And I, I stopped and thought there for a second. I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I know a guy named David who 
he used to be a tech uh, worker and he's left the field so he can be an influencer in crypto. And he is not a smart person when it comes to financials. He's okay when it comes to setting up your router and your network for corporate use. Um, but he doesn't really know much. And then there's um, Lisa, which is fantastic. Uh, that's not even her real name. And it was funny because I saw her quoted in an article and it had her real name. And she does a thing where she gets on Instagram and she gets to one of your friends and she gets to all your friends' friends and she goes, hey, I'm a crypto person kind of thing. So she's working it hard at Instagram. Um, I followed her because I thought it would be a good idea to have a young person on who could talk a little crypto. Um, and at one point in time, she says, um, yeah, I'm going to need to be paid for this because she's getting paid by a crypto firm that's now basically almost out of business. Um, she's not good looking. She just does social media posting well. Like she's not, you know, all beauty and no brains, but her brains aren't there either. Um, and she'll say things like, do you trust the president to regulate crypto? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Doesn't matter. Buy crypto. So she wanted to be paid. I'm like, you know, I'm offering you a top spot on a top 10 nationwide financial podcast and you're asking for money. You're an idiot. And sure enough, she's an idiot. So be careful who you're getting educated from. Um, she doesn't even use her real name. That's a big problem. She gives investment advice. She's going to get sued. Even if she doesn't think she's going to get investment advice, she's got to get sued for giving investment advice. Be careful who is your Buddhas. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.